0: Well, good morning. It's my privilege and honor to be here to bring the word this morning. We are picking up where we left off in the book of Acts. A couple weeks ago, uh, we heard of uh, Paul giving his testimony, giving his defense to the uh, governor, uh, King Agrippa, and uh, to the Jewish leaders there that are present, and to those uh, others that were present uh, at his, his, this trial of sorts as well, uh, Paul uh, responded, basically. The, the Jews had a chance to accuse, and now Paul is, uh, is able and, and given the opportunity to respond and to make his defense. And so he does, and, and two weeks ago we, we saw that in um, him sharing his testimony him sharing how he was a Jewish leader on his way to kill Christians and and throw Christians in jail. Um, And uh, on the way to Damascus to do that, he met Jesus. And Jesus changed everything. Jesus knocked him off his horse and, and stopped him in his tracks, quite literally. And gave him a new mission to make disciples instead of killing disciples. And so... So that's what Paul is, is sharing with the people listening. Um, he's giving his defense, sharing his testimony at the same time. And so uh, we pick up here in uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 19 through 32. Acts 26, verses 19 through 32. Um, we're going to read the passage and pray. Dig in. Starting in verse 19, Paul speaking. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple. And tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking the uh, true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am. Except for these chains. Then the king rose. And the governor. And Bernice. And those who were listening with them. And when they had withdrawn. They, had, uh, they said to one another. This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus. This man could have been set free. If he had not appealed to Caesar. Let's pray. Our Father God, it is our privilege to come together this morning to speak to you and for you to speak to us through your word. We are humbled that you would make sinners like us to be saints by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For those that are present here listening who are not following you, I pray that you would regenerate their hearts to see the great love that you have for them that they would turn in repentance. God, for those of us that know you and follow you, help us to love you more and follow you more closely. Give us love for one another. Help us to continue to make disciples. God, we thank you that you hear us when we pray to you. So we ask for your help this morning. Give us understanding for your word and, and application for our lives today. We thank you for your grace and love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dig right into verse 19, I want to draw our attention to verse 29 real quick. Paul says that he wishes that all who hear him that day would be such as he is, except for his chains, his bondage before the the governors and king. And even though we weren't there that day, I believe... um, That he would want the same for us because we are listening to his words today. And he wants the same for us, that we would be like him in his obedience to Christ, his confidence in Christ, and his boldness for Christ. Let me repeat that. We that he wants us to become like him in his obedience to Christ, his confidence. In Christ and his boldness for Christ. He says uh, elsewhere in in scripture, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he says something similar in this passage. So as we're uh, studying God's word this morning, and and, in this passage, Acts 26, 19 through 32, let us examine the text this morning and ask ourselves how can we imitate Paul as he is imitating Christ and how he is being obedient to Christ verse 19 he says therefore O King Agrippa so we 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 get we get who he's addressing who he's talking to he says therefore basically from right before what he was saying was his testimony, his story of his, uh, his journey to Damascus and how Jesus met him face-to-face, gave him a brand new mission. Therefore, because of that experience, meeting Jesus, getting a new mission, I'm not going to disobey that heavenly vision. I'm not going to disobey God. In other words, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey Jesus. Uh, he says this because it's in, in, in contrast with what the, the Jewish leaders wanted him to do. In fact, it's messing up their plans. It's messing up their, their jobs and, and their traditions. And, uh, and, his, and his original mission that he got from the Jewish leaders, go put these Christians in prison. And now he's not. And so when it comes down to it, Paul is obeying the orders from heaven and not man's traditions. When those are in conflict, we need to obey God and not man. So when people's expectations, you'll see on the screen, when people's expectations and rules are different than God's, obey God rather than man. If this sounds familiar, it's because we've talked about it before in the book of Acts, in our study in Acts. In Acts chapter 5, the Jewish leaders come to the apostles and Peter and say, Stop talking about Jesus! And Peter and the apostles say, No, we need to obey God rather than man. And this is what Paul is doing here. So in verse 20, he continues continues to talk about how he is being obedient. Jesus and his mission he says but I declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles it's this progression he starts in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and then throughout the whole region of Judea and also to the Gentiles not just the Jewish people but the Gentiles as well. This, is, this really uh, parallels what Jesus commands his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the same kind of progression that we see Paul stating here as he's being obedient to Jesus. The same Jesus that Paul met on the road to Damascus was the same Jesus that gave this commission to his disciples before he ascended. So this is what Paul does. And he, and he, and he tells them the message that he is giving them as he's going to all these regions. That they should repent verse 20. And turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. This is what conversion is: repentance, repenting of sin and turning to God. Paul is intentional, and he spells all of this out. He doesn't just say, "I was obedient to Jesus." You know he talks about how he was obedient to Jesus. I started in, in Damascus and I went from there and I proclaimed, I declared repentance for them to repent of their sin and turn to God. And, and he defines repentance, doesn't he? On the screen you'll, you'll see repentance is change. This is what Paul describes here. Repentance is change. We we must uh, stop what we're doing in the lifestyle of sin that we're living in and we must turn in the opposite direction and turn to God. And he, he continues, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. Uh, I, I grew up uh, under a, a pastor uh, for a while who said this quite often. He said, if nothing changes Nothing changes. Deep, right? Super deep. What does that even mean? (laughs) If nothing changes, if I don't change what I'm doing, then I'm going to continue to sin. If I don't change my habits, I'm going to continue in the the, the sin that I'm caught up in. And that's what we all have to do when we come to Christ. We have sinful habits. It's, It's what we do by nature and by choice. We gotta we gotta kill the the sin. We kill the sin by cutting off those roads that take us to the sin. We need to change our habits. We need to change the things that we're doing. They might not be sinful what we're doing, but if they're leading us to sin, we gotta examine those and we gotta change those. We gotta do that and turn to God. Find habits that make us turn our affections to God, our desires to God, our minds on him. What can I do that will help me desire God more? What can I do that will make me think about the things of the Lord and the good things more? And you keep performing those deeds in keeping with repentance. It's so important uh, performing deeds, performing deeds, and I think I think sometimes we, we don't say that a lot because well we don't want to we don't want to take away the confusion of of faith uh, by grace alone. Salvation by grace alone through faith, right? Uh, and it's not by our deeds that we're saved, and that's true. But we need to continue in repentance, uh, continue in performing deeds that foster a lifestyle of repentance. So we have to perform we have to keep on performing good deeds, and we have to we have to figure out how to do that, of course, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own, we can't do this by ourselves. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to ask for Him to help us see what are those habits that we need to, to kill. So this is what Paul is saying. This is what Paul is saying. This is how uh, this is how we become followers of Jesus is repentance, turning from our sin and changing and turning turning to God. As we see Paul talking about repentance, this is what Paul did. As we want to be imitating Paul as he imitates Christ and he's obedient to Christ, repentance is what Paul did. And he shared that in his testimony. He stopped what he was doing in the mission that he was on and he completely turned himself around and turned himself towards God and the mission that Jesus called him to. Paul is living this out. And and, and not only is he saying that this is what he's been doing in obedience to God, but this is what he's telling the people listening to him in that very moment what to do as well. You must repent of your sin and turn to God. And then verse 21, he says, For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple, and tried to kill me. Because I was being obedient to Christ, to God, this is why the Jews want to kill me. Because I was telling people to repent of their sin and turn to God, the religious leaders of this day want to kill me. Who, who's the bad guy here? The one who, obeying God or the one... The, the people that are trying to kill me because I'm obeying God, right? He's, he's presenting this as, a, as a, uh, a very savvy, rational defense for himself. This is not the, the most ideal of circumstances for Paul. He's bound. He's in chains, he says. And he's, uh, he's a prisoner, basically. And, and, and he's on trial, He has all this pressure on him and now he has to make a defense for himself. But Paul remains savvy and very rational and logical. Actually, in spite of what Festus says a little later on. And he continues in verse 22. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God and so I stand here testifying both to small and great. He says, this is, God has sustained my life. Yeah, the Jews were trying to kill me, and, and they seized me in the t- temple, and they tried to kill me. But God sustained my life. God was the one who sustained my life, and, and, and brought me as, as far as here, at least. And I stand here because God has saved me from the, the hands of the Jewish leaders. And God has brought me to, to this moment, for this moment, to tell you, to testify to you. Nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That uh, the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles, and so he turns a corner and he he starts offering uh, and, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The very mission that he's saying that he has been on, he doesn't stop in this moment. He continues and shares uh, and shares the good news of Jesus right here, right now. And he says, "It's it's." The reason why I'm here is the, is, is the, uh, is the reason why that God has sustained my life to this moment. Right now, my purpose, I know it. And I'm confident in it. And I don't know what's coming next. But I know that I'm here to tell you the good news. God has given me this public platform. And I'm going to use it because I'm confident that he has me here for this purpose. And I'm going to just continue to do what I've been doing. And sharing the gospel, telling you to repent of your sin and turn to God, and that Christ has, has suffered for your sin and has rose again. How often do we see uh, or do we experience less than ideal circumstances? And the last thing, maybe, that we think about is sharing the good news of Jesus. Because we feel like we're not experiencing good news in the moment. It's, it's, it's a less than ideal circumstance. And so we're not thinking about it in that way. Or, or we might have excuses to not share the gospel right now. Like, like Paul, for instance, could, could have come up with some excuses. If I put myself in Paul's shoes, I could think, well, no one's going to listen to me. I'm the prisoner here on trial. Who is going to listen to me? right now. And so this is not the most ideal moment. I'll wait. I'll wait. But he doesn't wait. He says, no, this moment, I've been given purpose for this moment right now. And God has sustained me for it. And then he says, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. This is huge. Because what he's declaring is what the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders that are present, accusing him, wanting to kill him. He's saying that Jesus is a continuation and fulfillment of the Jewish religion, of the Jewish scriptures. I've been saying nothing but what the prophets have been saying. And I bet that gets the attention of the Jewish leaders wait, wait, we want to kill you because we feel like you're not saying what the prophets have been saying and, and what Moses has been saying. But that's what, exactly what Paul is pointing out. No, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophets. He's what the prophets were talking about. He, he is what Moses was hoping for. And so he, he, what he's saying essentially is, hey, we're on the same side, or at least we should be. That the Jewish scriptures flow right into Christianity. And, and we, we, in fact, can't understand Christianity properly apart from the Jewish scriptures. Our Old Testament that we have. And, and we can't today understand Jesus completely and properly without the Old Testament. And, uh, and we have it. We have the, 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 the Jewish scriptures that, that are being discussed here in Paul's defense 2,000 years ago. We have it right here in, in our language. We have so many translations of it in our language. Take your pick. We have it on, uh, on our devices, on our smartphones, on our tablets, and on our computers. And we have access to even the original languages uh, uh, on those devices. And... and, and uh, So we are blessed and we have those scriptures and and we need need to know these scriptures in order for us to know Christ. And uh, and, and so that's what Paul is saying here. Um, I'm saying nothing but what the prophets and uh, Moses said would come to pass. In verse 24 he says, or uh it just continues. He he takes a breath, and it seems like Festus almost interrupts him, and Festus declares with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Paul, you're crazy. So again, let's put ourselves in, in Paul's shoes for a moment. Paul just laid laid it out there. He 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 was vulnerable. I mean, he's already vulnerable and humbled by being a prisoner and being in chains, right? But then he gives his story uh, of meeting Jesus and how he had to repent and stop doing what he was doing and start doing what Jesus was calling him to do. He gives his story, and then he gives uh, the gospel presentation. He's like, this is why I'm here. And if I put myself in his shoes, I'm, I'm waiting for a response. I'm waiting for, for someone to say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I want to repent and turn from my sin. I want to turn to God. This is not what Paul gets. Paul gets, you're crazy. Uh, the, the the study that you've been doing in the scriptures has made you crazy. Um I don't know if if you have experienced that in, in sharing the gospel. Um it, whether in a one-on-one conversation or otherwise, but but Paul not only experienced this, but it was in a public setting. Someone pointing hit their finger at him, saying, "You're crazy," and this is this is a response from a secular unbeliever. This is a response to the gospel from a secular unbeliever. It's crazy, and this really shouldn't surprise us. If Uh, if we understand that the secular unbeliever, if the Holy Spirit is not working inside of them, the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The gospel is foolish to those that are perishing, the, the, the secular unbeliever. Without the regeneration that the Holy Spirit gives, it is impossible for them to understand. It's impossible for them to grasp that. And uh, and and so Festus needs the Holy Spirit. He doesn't seem to have it in this moment, and so he he declares, "You're crazy." Paul, what's Paul's response? If if I if I were honest, my response would probably be to to clam up and and not say anything, perhaps. Or, but but Paul stands firm. He does not waver. He responds respectfully. But he responds boldly. He says, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. Most excellent Festus. Very respectful in word. I don't know what the tone of his voice was. Most excellent Festus. But regardless, he was was, uh, respectful, at least in word. But he's bold. He says, I'm not out of my mind. I'm speaking true and rational words, which he is. He's making a logical defense. Then he he continues, "For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly." In other words, actually, I was addressing King Agrippa. I wasn't talking to you, Festus. Um, Notice, notice that he doesn't let the response of Festus get underneath his skin. He doesn't take it personally at least it doesn't seem like he takes it personally, he moves on. And I, think, I think we have to do that, when, when, and we have to trust God and, and, and not trust our presentation of the gospel, trust the, maybe the, the words that we're saying necessarily, the way that we're saying it. I think we need to think about those things. Um, but Paul could have taken the opportunity here to ask himself, did I say something wrong? Did I present the gospel uh, in a way where it was unclear? Did I mix my words? Did I, they say something theologically incorrect? Like, why isn't this working? And as we said before, the Holy Spirit has to work. The Holy Spirit has to work. And so we can't be discouraged when we get responses like this or... or, or you know, maybe something of a lesser caliber, maybe they don't respond, or maybe they just say, no, thank you, or whatever it is, we can't take it personally, and we have to trust that God will use the seed that we sow. That's our responsibility. And we need to be humble and, and realize that we're not here to, to, to win an argument. That's up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to God. We plant the seed in love. And that's what Paul is doing. And he moves on. After, after Festus's response, he moves on to King Agrippa. And he addresses King Agrippa. And he says, For the king knows these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things uh, has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. Uh, and then he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. So first of all, he says, I know the king has been doing his job. And since he's the king, he would be aware of these kinds of circumstances that have been happening. He's, they, he's, if he was paying attention, if he was doing his job, he would know about my story. He would know about... Uh, the, the Jewish religion and how uh, my story has been uh, in, in, the, in Christianity relates to the Jewish religion. Uh, he, if he's been paying attention, he would know these things to be true. And then he calls King Agrippa to respond. Do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. You believe in the scriptures, right, King Agrippa? I know that you do because I've seen you in the temple. I've seen you practice Judaism, which he has been doing. He's been, uh, he, he was seen in the temple. He's, he's, he's been doing that, whether, whether or not it was for political reasons or, or otherwise. He, uh, he knows about the Jewish scriptures. He knows. And so Paul... Is wanting a response from King Agrippa. I got a response from Festus and I didn't ask for it. <laughs> but now I'm asking for a response from King Agrippa. King Agrippa, you know the scriptures and you know these things that I've been saying to be true, right? Paul's bold. So King Agrippa responds. But he doesn't answer Paul's question. He responds with a question to Paul's question to avoid being put in a corner, perhaps, um, politically or otherwise. He says, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? So this can be taken a f- maybe a few different ways. It's it's uh, a little unclear of the, the exact m- meaning of this of this question for King Agrippa, but he could be saying it in a, in a surprised tone, like, after just this brief uh, declaration of the gospel and what, what uh, the gospel is, you think you could persuade me to be a Christian already? Or do you really think you could persuade me to be a Christian if, you get, if, I, if, if I gave you a short amount of time? Whatever the, 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 uh, the tone of his question is, he avoids answering it. He avoids answering Paul's question. So, so here we have a response from a religious unbeliever. Festus was the secular unbeliever, and he had his response. You're crazy. Here's the response from Agrippa, the religious unbeliever. And He doesn't answer his question, and he very well could be uh, sarcastic with Paul. So Paul is uh, he's, hes getting these negative responses to his presentation of the gospel, to, to his presentation of his story. Again, he has reason to uh, waver and to, to be discouraged in his soul. Was it something I said? Was it something that I did wrong? Maybe this wasn't the moment I thought God had me here for. Maybe I thought that God had me here for this purpose but does not seem like it's working he could have thought, he, he could have been tempted to be discouraged in that way so the, the, the point on the screen uh, says don't let responses to the gospel message hinder your boldness and this is what Paul does, he doesn't let these negative responses, responses hinder his boldness He says in response, whether short or long, a short time or a long time, I hope, uh, I would to God that not only you but all who hear me this day might become such as I am without or except for these chains. I would, King Agrippa, hope that you would become like me as I am being obedient to Christ as I know and follow my savior and lord, I wish you could know him as I do. I wish Festus could know him as I do. I wish everyone here listening to me could know and obey God as I do. He keeps he keeps his head, Paul does. He keeps his sincerity and he continues to be bold regardless of the responses to him. Man, this is the love of Christ flowing out of Paul, even with the negative responses. If I put myself in Paul's shoes again, I think I would just want to wash my hands. No, I, I, I'm good. I'm, if, that's, if that's your attitude, if that's the way you want to respond to the gospel, fine, walk out, you know? But, but Paul is still hopeful. King Agrippa, Festus, everyone there would come to know Christ as Lord, as Savior. Looking back um, a bit at, at Paul's uh, defense here and, and seeing that he used the, uh, the Jewish scriptures, uh, as we've seen, uh, he has uh, the response from a secular unbeliever, Festus, uh, a religious unbeliever, King Agrippa, and uh, he he's using on ramps, uh, an on ramp here for the religious unbeliever. His his case is, um, his accusers are religious unbelievers, the Jewish leaders. The person he's addressing, King Agrippa, is a religious unbeliever. So he uses reli- uh, a religious on ramp. He uses the the Jewish scriptures. And and on-ramps, Pastor Gary has talked about quite often, we want to find uh, conversational on-ramps so we can have gospel conversations. And he uses the scriptures to do this, uh, the the Old Testament scriptures, to point to Christ. And uh, and so we need to think about what are our on-ramps. This is an example of a religious, uh, uh, an on-ramp for a religious unbeliever. But what are some on ramps that we can have with a secular unbeliever? Um, point on, the last point on the screen, don't um, or or the point in the middle, I guess, there. Find gospel conversations on uh, on ramps for both religious unbelievers and secular unbelievers. Here, Paul knows his audience. And so, what is the response after Paul's response to King Agrippa? King uh, Paul says, I wish that all of you would come to know Christ as I do. So what's King Agrippa's response to that? Well, him and the people sitting with him, the governors, they just leave. They just walk out. Yet another response that Paul could be discouraged by. Um, they just walk out nothing more to be said they, they, they talk amongst themselves Paul uh, he might not have ears in this conversation he might not be able to hear what they're saying even though they are saying that this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment Paul just sees them walk out the door has no idea what they're talking about I think once again Paul has the opportunity to be discouraged what are they saying about me So they're still not responding. All they did was walk away. We, I think, would would be tempted to be discouraged in this moment. But we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what conversations are being had after our conversation. When people walk away, what's the Holy Spirit doing? We don't know. How is the Holy Spirit going to use the seed that you planted? We don't know. And we could be discouraged if they just walk away after an uh, after a ill response. But we need to trust that God has called us to sow the seed and he will plant the seed. He will water the seed and he'll bring others along the way to water the seed and, and to uh, have gospel conversations with these people as they walk away. We need to trust the Lord. And not be discouraged when we get responses like these. This is how we can take courage, as Paul did in, in uh, these, these type of circumstances. Um, we don't have to be afraid when circumstances are less than ideal. God uses those circumstances, and who knows what the response was to anyone else? they're listening both small and great, Paul says. We don't know who all was listening to Paul and what their responses to the gospel were. So we can't be afraid of these less than ideal circumstances or less than ideal responses to the gospel. We can have courage for every circumstance because God, our good shepherd, is with us. He has placed us uh, in each circumstance for good, for his glory, for our good, and for the furtherance of his kingdom. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word today. Thank you for the example that we have in Paul the Apostle. A regenerated man. That is completely devoted to you. Help us to be devoted to you. God we know the real hero of the story. Is Jesus Christ. Your son. Who suffered for our sins. And who was the first to rise from the dead. So that we may have the hope of resurrection. Help us to treasure your son Jesus. And what he has done for us, God, with all of our hearts. Help us in our obedience to Christ. Give us confidence in Christ. And give us boldness for Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.